0: Morning. So, momentous day. We have officially made it into Acts chapter 3, everybody. Amen. I kid you not. Acts chapter 2 in this Bible is like absolutely torn apart, like literally torn apart, um, which means we probably spent, no, I don't know if it means we spent too much time in there, but it means we spent a lot of time in there. Uh, and so I can't even read Acts 2 in this Bible anymore because it's all ripped up. We made it into Acts 3. We're starting a new series today entitled By His Name. By his name, and of course, by his name, we mean Jesus' name. And what we see here in Acts chapter 2 is a transition uh, from 2 to 3. And in Acts chapter 3, we've uh, moved past now the planting of the church, and now we see the church on the move. The Church on the Move. And I'm excited to see uh, these stories that we see now that the church has been planted, they've been filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, they've begun to live in the fellowship of the believers, uh, and now the church begins to move out, and we get to see the incredible stories of how the gospel just spreads. And so uh, we read these this morning, uh, and then in our ongoing study here of the book of Acts, not just uh, as stories not just as an intellectual pursuit, but I hope as we uh, now transition in here that uh, there's something inside of us that says, no, this is what the church is supposed to be like, the church on the move, the church shaping culture, the church bringing the hope of the gospel to people, the church, like we see in this story, performing miracles. And yes, we still believe in miracles. We sing about them, we pray for them, and we believe in a God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And in this opening story here, we see the first miracle that the church performs. And uh, I want to preach a sermon this morning entitled, Two Sides to a Miracle. Two sides to a miracle. And uh, my hope this morning uh, is first that, that you and I reevaluate when we walk out of our house each morning what the possibilities are uh, that God can do through each and every one of us. But secondly, my hope this morning is that some of you, uh, this will make more sense in a second, some of you, you are on this side of a miracle, and you are praying for somebody on the other side of the miracle, and I want to give you some hope this morning uh, that there is a God of miracles who wants to, to do some work on the other side of the miracle. Now, in order to set it up this morning, well... Let'm me to give you just the, the, the quick synopsis of the story, right? There's a, a guy who's been lame since birth, and uh, every day he would get laid at, at the beautiful gate. And uh, he had some parents, and uh, they're mentioned in the story later, not in the text we look at today, but later, they're, they're in the story. Uh, and so if you're a parent, uh, and there's a child that you're praying for, uh, this story is for you. Uh, and then there's Peter and John, and they, Peter and John, uh, are just the, the living their daily life. They're going to the temple to pray, and so they're on just the natural course of their life, and they have this chance interaction, uh, chance It's fate, of course, Uh, and they step into what we'll call this miracle moment uh, where their prayer of faith and the recipient uh, and and the power of God kind of meet in one, and this man stands up and starts walking. And then uh, the rest of this series, we'll see the the meaning of the miracle, and and then the movement of the miracle, and how from one miracle moment, uh, we see deep meaning and we see deep movement. And so that'll be the rest of our series. So that's kind of the story in general. Now, Brittany, go ahead and throw up uh, picture number one. Picture number one, this is how any miracle happens. Okay? Uh, and some people, they got a messed up doctrine and they don't believe this, but they're wrong. Uh, this is how any miracle happens. Miracles happen by the sovereign will of God. By the sovereign will of God. That there's a moment when God, in his sovereignty and his knowledge and his goodness and all of those things, uh, and remember, he's way up here and we're down here. He sees everything differently than we do. In his sovereign will, he brings uh, uh, something to be. Now, he loves to use agents for miracles, and he uses us. Uh, as individual Christians, and he uses his church, and it's so good that he does, right? But no miracle happens apart from the sovereign will of the Heavenly Father. Now, this morning, just a little bit of terminology. I'm gonna use two words. I'm gonna use the word miracle. I'm gonna use the word movement. uh, And uh, and I'm gonna use those two words to differentiate. uh, A miracle, uh, of course, being when God decides to act outside of the natural course or the natural laws of creation. Sometimes he does this in creation itself. Like with the Red Sea, uh, sometimes he does when he parted it, uh, and then other times he does this, of course, in, in, in uh, humans, right? So Lazarus, he's dead, right? And uh, God shows up, or Jesus shows up, and uh, he raises Lazarus from the dead. These are miracles. Uh, movement, uh, I'm going to uh, uh, kind of differentiate here, a movement being something that happens on the inside. Some, a spiritual transformation that changes uh, your outlook or, or your view on something or your actions or your behavior. Uh, and so some of you, you're praying for a miracle. You're praying for a miracle. There's a physical thing uh, that needs to, to change, whether it's a, uh, it's a healing or, or whatever else it might be, and you're praying for a miracle. Others of us, uh, we're praying for a miracle, but it's, it's more like a movement. You're praying for uh, a transformation in somebody. Uh, you're, you're praying for, uh, a salvation, uh, a restoration, a change of heart, uh, uh freedom from an addiction, uh, um, uh, a new way of looking or a new perspective. Uh, and, and so it's a miracle, but we'll, we'll just differentiate a little bit as a movement. And you're praying for that movement moment, uh, where, where something changes. Maybe you're praying it for yourself. Maybe you're praying it for somebody else, but you're praying for, uh, a miracle. And, uh, the next picture, Brittany, you can throw that up there, uh, that in two sides to a miracle, we trust that, that miracles happen. These movements happen, uh, based on the sovereign will of God when God acts and when he moves, right? But there's two sides to, to most miracles. And, uh, the two sides, uh, as depicted on the picture are, uh, what we'll call the agent side and the recipient side. And on some, there's an agent like in this story, it's, uh, Peter and John. They're the agents of a miracle. How cool. Uh, that, that as followers of Christ, we can be agents of miracles, uh, that God can use our faith. He can use our prayers. He can use these moments uh, when we intersect with somebody and it comes together perfectly and we pray a prayer of faith and something happens. There's the agent. The other side of it, there's the recipient. The recipient here, of course, is the, the lame beggar right? And, and the lame beggar who's just laid out and he's positioned uh, in front of uh, the temple gate and, uh, and he experiences the miracle. <clears throat> I'm going to be drinking a lot of water this morning, just to let you know. Sorry, you all had to see that. Okay. There's the recipient side and then there's the agent side. And so these are the two sides of the miracle. Now, how do these things work together? Well, in this particular story, we see Peter and John, they leave their house one day. <coughs> as they're leaving their house on their normal path, the lame beggar, he's uh, doing his thing where he's late every day. And as he shows up and as they show up and as God's sovereign will comes down, it all meets in this beautiful moment. Now, how many days had that man been laid at the temple gate? Well, he's about 40 years old, times that by however many days. They said it was daily. Who knows how long they've been doing it, but 5,000 days, 10,000 days. How many times did Peter and John walk into the temple to pray? Tons. How many times did Jesus walk into that temple and prayed? A lot. Why did it happen on that day? God's sovereign will. That's why. And so you have God's will, and you have Peter and John, though. And here's the thing about the miracle moment. We don't know where we're at on the continuum. We don't know what day it's going to happen. And here's what begins to happen uh, when we're waiting for the miracle, or waiting for the movement. That we can be on uh, either side of those lines, kind of making our way to the middle uh, in the miracle moment, but what can begin to happen while we're waiting uh, are three Ds. The first one is doubt. And so we're over here and we're just, We've been praying for it, we've been being laid daily before God, asking for something, and, and doubt begins to creep in. And doubt can happen on this side of the miracle, and doubt can happen on this side. Like the parents in the story, doubt can begin to settle in because it's like, God, uh, Jesus, this Jesus guy is running around town, he's healing everybody, but what about my son, right? And doubt can begin to, to build up. Or uh, sometimes then doubt moves into denial right? Moves out of, or, or despair actually I think is, is the next one I had up there. So it goes doubt and then it goes to despair. And you're, you're on this side of the miracle and you're praying for the thing. You're asking God to, to do the work in somebody's heart uh, and, and, and you don't see it. And year turns into year or, or decade even turns into decade. And you grow in great despair. And uh, oftentimes while we're in this, uh, then we move into the next one, uh, which is outright denial. And some of us We have found ourselves in this spot where because the miracle moment hasn't happened yet, uh, whether we're on this side or that side, uh, we we actually begin to to deny God or deny his power. Uh, Maybe you know somebody uh, who actually left their faith or abandoned their faith uh, because they didn't see the miracle moment happen. God, why didn't you bring him to salvation? I prayed for it. God, how come we were never reconciled? God, how come you didn't heal him or her? And then it builds up, and it builds up, and it builds up. And in these waiting for the miracle, we begin to ask questions. Some of you, you're asking questions like, uh, you're on this side of the miracle, and you're looking at somebody that you love on that side, and the enemy is actually breathing lies into your heart, and you're thinking things like this. Well, it's probably my fault. Or it's because of my sin that that person is in that spot. Or if I just had enough faith, God probably would have done it already. Or God, do you even love me enough to do this thing? And these lies, they begin to pour into our our head. And some of you, you've got children that aren't following the faith and the enemy just keeps whispering into you, "It's it's your fault, it's your fault, it's your fault, it's your fault. Some of you, you've been um, uh, trying to get over um, uh, an addiction or you're trying to, you've been trying to see a spiritual movement happen in your life and the enemy has said, God doesn't love you enough to change that. And the doubt and the despair and the, uh, and the denial has, has crept in. And I wanna help shake you out of it this morning. And, and, and I, wanna, I wanna give you some truth to blow the enemy's lies up. And so this is the the setup here. These are the two sides, and and this is what is at stake in the two sides of the miracle. And um, we look first then to just a little bit into the story. Let me read a couple of verses here because we have to begin to ask the question, what can we do? We know it's God's sovereign will uh, that ultimately is going to bring this forth. But what can we do? Uh, And so first off, let's look at this side. I'll call it this side of the miracle, which is like the, the recipient or I'm sorry, the yeah, the recipient side of the miracle. Let's look at this. Acts 3, 2 through 4. And a man lame from birth was being carried whom they lay daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate. I love that it's called the beautiful gate. To ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him as did John and said, look at us, look at us. And then, of course, what's going to happen next is that famous line, silver and gold, divine none. But what I do have in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And so the first thing we see here is uh, if we're on this side of the, the miracle, if we're, if we're the one who's asking for God to do something for us, uh, or uh, whether it is a spiritual transformation or a physical miracle, uh, what role can we play in this? What can we do? And there's some things we learn in the story from the lame man uh, that are um, um, positives and then some that are like almost anti-things, right? And so uh, the, the first thing I think that we can do when we're on this side is we have to just simply acknowledge uh, Christ's power and, and and the will of God. Like Jesus prayed, your will, not mine, be done. Is just to over and over acknowledge him. And and so the first thing that I'm going to do, if I'm over here and I'm praying to God that he would move something in my heart, I'm not going to be like the Galatians who thought I can manufacture my own spiritual transformation through my hard work. I'm not going to be like um, Bar Jesus, who we're going to learn about later, who's going to try to take Holy Spirit power and use it for his own selfish uh, end and aim, right? I'm not going to try to manipulate God's power and I'm not going to try to manufacture my own faith. What I am going to do is every day I'm going to daily acknowledge that I am completely dependent upon Christ for any inward transformation to happen in my soul or for any miracle to happen. And so over and over, I'm just going to acknowledge Christ. I'm going to, verse 16, this is our key verse for the series, even though we're not even going to look at it today. I'm going to just acknowledge in my heart and with my voice that it is only by his name. It is only by Jesus that anything can change. That's the first thing I'm going to do. The second thing I'm going to do if I'm on this side is, uh, like the man who was laid daily at the gate, is I'm going to position myself every single day, as often as I can, I'm going to position myself because I don't know when the moment is that I'm going to step into, we'll call this like the grace zone, I'm going to step in and all of a sudden it's going to be changed. Remember that story I told a couple of months ago? Uh, there was a tree out in the front of my yard uh, and I had like this old little hands saw. Uh, and I just started sawing away at it. And it took me like weeks. Okay. And my neighbors thought I was crazy because i literally just like lay on the ground sawing a tree. Okay. Uh, and you know, anyone could have come over uh, at any moment with any type of like, you know, chainsaw or anything and knocked this thing over in like 18 seconds. But there was I out there just sawing away. Right. And I was doing it for fun. Right. <clears throat> and so I'm out there, but then one morning I woke up I got out there and the tree was just laying on the ground. I still to this day don't know how it ended up on the ground, okay? If one of my neighbors just had pity on me, okay? Um, if Lindsay, who uses the power tools in my house, just went out there one day and cut it down, who knows? What's the point? point is, Like the tree coming down, I didn't know when it was gonna finally fall. I don't know what brought it to the ground. And sometimes there's a spiritual movement in your heart that all of a sudden you wake up one morning and you go, well, the bitterness is gone. Well, the joy has returned. I've forgiven him or her. I'm not defined by my past anymore. And you just position yourself every single day and you believe in what Christ can do, and you position yourself daily. And then as you keep positioning yourself daily, there's like this moment where you step into uh, into the miracle moment or the movement moment or the grace zone, whatever we're calling it here, and it happens. But what if, what if the guy hadn't shown up that day? I mean, he laid himself daily. What if he woke up that morning and he was like, you know what, I'm tired, I'm not doing it today. No, it was the daily positioning that laid him out there in front of it. The miracle moment hit, and he's healed. He's transformed. And that's why we position ourselves every single day. Here's something else I like about this lame, uh, the lame man. The third thing that we should do is that we should ask boldly in prayer. I, this guy was not afraid to ask. He just looked at these guys and said, like, hey, you got anything for me? And I, and I think it's a good picture that you and I should just keep asking that we're gonna position ourselves every day in prayer. And when we position ourselves in prayer, we're gonna ask boldly and confidently uh, that God would do what it is that we're asking him to do. And so if you're over here this morning, you're, you're, you're wanting to see something transformed inside of you. You're praying for a healing. You're praying for a door to be open, whatever it might be. Position yourself every day. Keep asking in confidence and acknowledge Christ's power as the only one who can bring it to be. Now, this is for somebody on this side of the miracle who is in Christ, who is in Christ and uh, and is approaching the Heavenly Father and asking the Heavenly Father. But is there hope in this story if you're over here and you're looking at somebody over there, you're praying for someone over there uh, and, and they're not in Christ? Because it's, it's one thing to be here and to go uh, and, to, and to say, okay, so just position yourself daily before the Lord, position yourself daily for the Lord. But some of you, you're like the parents in this story, we'll meet them later, and you're looking over here and you're looking at a child who isn't following Christ, who's not going to daily position themselves, uh, who isn't acknowledging Jesus' authority, and you're going, well, what hope do I have for that person? I've had this conversation multiple times over the last few weeks and months where people who are on this side of the miracle are are, are asking, what hope do I have if there's somebody else on the other side and I can't control them? Like, I want the miracle moment where everything comes together, but I have no control over them on the other side. What hope do I have? Is there hope in this story? I think there is, and I think it comes in two forms. The first one is this, Uh, we'll call it God's great exchange. And the second hope is this, God's unexpected agents. Okay, the first one is God's great exchange. And here's how we see this. The lame man who's laid at the gate, what did he ask for? Money. He showed up to ask for silver and gold. And what did he get? Healing and transformation, physical healing, and salvation. This is God's great exchange. This man showed up and he asked for uh, a, a temporary fix. He asked for what he thought was the best possible thing that he could possibly get in that moment. But when he stepped into the grace zone, it didn't matter what he asked for, it mattered what God wanted to do right then and there. That's what mattered. And he steps into it, and Peter and John go, uh, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And the guy didn't look and go, that's not really what I was after. Can you just give me some money? I'll just be satisfied with the money. What's the good news in that? You have people over here right now, and they are chasing things in life. They are looking for happiness in the wrong places. They have a, um, a twisted perspective of reality. Uh, and there are things on this side that they're going, um, well, I have to do this because it's what's best for me. Or I have to do this because, um, because somebody taught me something. And, uh, and so now this is how I view the world. Or, or I'm chasing um, um, joy, but I'm chasing it in the wrong way. I'm pursuing life and I'm pursuing it from a, uh, from a non uh, ungodly perspective. And they, they probably think that they are asking for the right thing or that they're pursuing or chasing the right thing. In, in essence, they're asking for silver and gold. And here's the good news. The moment God wants to, and they step into this zone, it won't matter what they ask for. It will matter what God wants to do inside of them. And so perhaps there is somebody right now and they have chosen to live in sin and they're living in sin because they think that the the sin that they're living in is the best way to go through life because nobody can tell them what to do and you're over here and you're going, "Well, they're never going to want to hear the gospel and they're they've completely rejected God and I don't know how to pray for them." No, you keep praying for them because if they step into this, if they enter into here, it won't matter what sinful lifestyle they're changing, if the gospel grabs their heart, they're going to embrace it. The guy stands up and goes, yeah, I'll take the healing and the transformation over the silver and the gold. And that gives me hope on this side of the miracle, praying for somebody over there. And you say, well, what's the alternative to this? The alternative is um, that you over here on this side of the, uh, uh, on that side, that you feel helpless Right? Or uh, that what you're hoping for is that the person on the other side will just wise up. I don't want my hope in the person on this side of the miracle being that they just get smart enough someday. I want my hope that if they step into the zone of God's grace, it is going to wash over them and they're going to become a new person or have a new perspective or a new outlook. That gives me hope on this side. And so this morning, If you have somebody over here that you're praying for, don't stop praying. Don't stop praying. Don't stop praying. Pray that that moment happens. The other, the other, by the way, hope I think we have on this side of the miracle when we're thinking about people over there uh, is God's unexpected agents. And who are they in this story? Somebody picked this guy up every single day and dropped him there. He couldn't get there by himself, obviously. Somebody picked him up every day and dropped him there and put him there. And so there's agents that God uh, is using, uh, and and I think it it gives us hope on this side when we're praying for somebody over there. And one of the things I like to pray when I'm over here and I'm praying for somebody over there is God, please put the right person in their life, put the right pastor in their life, put the right sermon in their life, put the right podcast, put the right scripture, put the right friends, put somebody in their life. And they might not even know it, but that person is like subtly positioning them for the miracle moment. And some of us, we've been a part of this. We didn't even know what the, the the coworker was doing when they were just dropping little hints along the way about the Lord uh, and they were telling us little things or they were inviting us to church or whatever it might be. And what that person was doing was subtly, uh, uh, they were positioning you for the miracle moment. And so the hope on this side is, God, send somebody over there uh, to the person that I love, put the right person in their life who's going to bring them up into this moment, and they might not even see it. Oh, that gives me hope. God God is always working on both sides of it. Now, what about for us? Okay, Um, uh, and again, some of us were on, here's the thing, actually, by the way. Simultaneously, we're both typically, we're all typically on both sides at the same time. There's something God's doing in us over here, right? And there's probably something that we're praying for or someone we're praying for over there. When we're on this side of the miracle, which is in in this particular story, Peter and John, when we're on this side of the miracle, um, what, what should we do over here? I think this story changes the way you wake up in the morning, quite frankly. That when when you wake up, uh, as followers of Christ, when you wake up and you begin to journey uh, through your life, you have no idea if you're about to step in to this grace miracle moment with somebody that you interact with. You have no idea uh, if it is the right moment that you step in and it is finally the time when you invite that person to church and they say yes and they come and they experience salvation. You have no idea if it's the right time that when you step in to the circle and you have a conversation with somebody, whether it's random or somebody you know, and it is the moment that the transformation is going to occur. For me, every Sunday morning, I have no idea for some of you that when I come and I'm preaching uh, that it is finally going to be the week where it hits you and you get it. So what I do? come up and I preach every week and I trust that in the moment that God wants, man, that when you step in here, you position yourself here, I position myself, uh, then that, that God can do the work that he wants to do. And so what do we see in this? The first thing is to be available and aware that every morning when you wake up, uh, uh, there is an opportunity for you to be available and aware and that God might use you as an agent to bring a miracle or a movement into somebody's heart every day. And I, I think it'd be great for all of us to wake up with the anticipation of, God, what, what moment are you trying to produce or create inside of me today? And thank you that you allow me to partner with you in what you can do. And so you, you wake up with that anticipation, and it's about being available and aware. I mean, Jesus was the master at this. He'd be walking down the street, headed somewhere, and then all of a sudden he'd see someone else or someone would come, interrupt him, and what would Jesus do? He would be available in that moment, and he would be aware to what was most deeply going on. Peter and John are no different. They're they're walking through this moment, all right? They're heading into the temple to pray, to go do a spiritual thing, right? And as they're walking into the temple to pray and to do that spiritual thing, what happens? They have a guy there. They're available to him. They're aware of his deeper need, and it's the miracle moment where everything's coming together, and they say a prayer of faith, and the man is healed. Christ follower, Christian, empowered by the Holy Spirit, you. The same spirit that lived in Peter and John, the same name that they prayed to is available to you. And when you and I are available and aware, and we have an outlook to say, God, who are you bringing into my life today, today, uh, that you want me to pray this prayer with, and that's the second part of it, uh, is that we pray in the name of Christ. Later, uh, Peter and John are going to say, I don't know why everyone's so shocked about this miracle. It wasn't a result of our power or our p- piety. In other words, it's not a result of our, like, spiritual force, right, or our holiness and righteousness. No, this miracle happened because of the name of of Jesus. That's it. That's it. He's saying that's why it happened. By Jesus' name, by His name. And so, uh, what do we do when we're on this side? I'm going to position myself. I'm going to be available and aware. And then, when I get a moment, I'm going to rely on the name of Jesus and the power of Jesus to do the, the, the transformation. And then, I'm going to trust uh, in the sovereignty of God. Who knows? We don't know. Maybe Peter and John had another interaction with this guy, right? I mean, again, they walked by this guy every single day. Jesus walked by this guy a lot. We don't know what day it is, though, when we step in and God's saying, I'm moving today. Do you want to be a part of it? And you and I get to wake up with that in mind to make ourselves available and then to proclaim the name of Christ. And so uh, we have hope that God can work on this side of the miracle when we're the one over here praying for it. We have anticipation that when we're on this side, that God wants to use us as his agent to bring it in. Now, when we're on either side of the miracle, on this side or on that side, uh, when we're in the waiting season, how do we get through the waiting season well? That's where I want to end this morning. Because again, this man, he had been laid there every single day. Every single day. How, how do we wait well when we're in the midst of this waiting season? What, uh, are, are there some things that we can begin to do? There are. And so I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna end with them this morning. Uh, and so let me just, if you're here this morning and you have been praying for God to transform your heart, to deliver a new delight to you, to be more gone with the old and in with the new, if you're over here this morning, and you have been praying to God for years for that person's salvation. Praying to God for years for that reconciliation. Praying to God for years for that healing. I can give examples of most of you, you know. You know. How do we wait now? Because we don't know if we're here, 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 or here. How do we wait? Well, let me give you a couple of things. First thing you got to do is this. You have to anchor yourself in the word of God. You have to anchor yourself in the word of God. Why? Because the enemy is going to feed lies to you all along the way. Psalm 12, 6, Lord's promises are pure like silver refined in a furnace, purified seven times over. It's just the idea, right, that God's word will not return void. It's, uh, it's the idea that I'm just anchored in, I'm anchored in the word of God. And when you're going through this journey, on whatever side you're on, if you're not anchored in the word of God, right? The idea of an anchor, if you're not anchored in the word of God, you're going to begin to drift off, and you're going to begin to drift away, and you're going to begin to think incorrectly. And the enemy is going to use it to build every lie into your heart. Why? Because the enemy wants you living in those three Ds, doubt, denial, and despair, And so on the journey to the miracle moment, we anchor ourselves in God's word. I've shared uh, often my my early 20s, right? I was on this like quest to figure out um, what it would take to be happy. And I would say, I had all this activity going on, all of this stuff going on, but I was just not a happy person, and I wanted it so badly. And in the midst of it, all I knew to do was to just anchor myself in God's word, right? Lord, your promises are pure. Your promises are real. Every promise in you is yes and amen. And the enemy wants to breathe the lie to me that I will never be happy, that I will never wake up excited about the day, that there will be a darkness and a cloud that will cover me all of my life. That it doesn't matter uh, if you get married, Stephen. It doesn't matter if you have a success in this or that. None of that will matter because underneath it, you will still be in despair. That was the lie, And I just had to anchor myself in the word of God, right? To not follow into that lie because of where it might take me if I did. But anchoring yourself in the word of God isn't enough. After you anchor yourself in the word of God, the next thing you do is you begin to proclaim the word of God. And so um, where anchoring is saying, I don't want to get too far off track and let the enemy um, take me off track. Proclaiming the word of God is saying, I am anchored and positioned, but I'm also anchored and positioned in a place of victory because of the name of Christ. And so I'm going to proclaim the victory before I see it. And so uh, for me, that meant joyful are people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. Psalm 119.1, it meant Psalm 107.5, for he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul. He fills with good things. And so for me, I had to proclaim the word of God over the situation that I was in, knowing uh, that I'm anchored. I'm not going anywhere, Lord. But uh, not only am I not going anywhere, I am also going to experience what the scriptures say that I can't experience. And I'm going to proclaim the word of God against the attacks of the enemy until the day happens. So you proclaim God's word. You say, "Well, what might that look like?" Some of you, right now, you are still living in the guilt and the shame of whatever has happened in your life, and you need to anchor yourself in the love of God that nothing can separate you from the love of God. And you need to proclaim Romans eight one that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And you got to start to proclaim it, and you have to because you have to walk in the victory of that. And here's what's going to happen: one day, you're going to be proclaiming the word of God, and you're going to go, "Wow, the shame is gone." Next thing then, so we anchor ourselves in the word of God. Then we begin to proclaim the word of God. And the third thing we do is we just remain persistent in our asking. And so for me, it was every day, I'm going to wake up, and I'm going to read these verses, I'm going to proclaim these verses, and like the, uh, Jesus taught us how to pray in Luke chapter 11, and he gives the Lord's Prayer, but then in this one, uh, as opposed to Matthew, he gives a little follow-up story afterwards, and he says, let me tell you a little story. It's like some guy was in his house, and his kids were sleeping. Now, let me tell you something, okay? Shea is seven weeks old. This story hits home right now, Okay? Because two nights ago, was me watching TV from 11.30 to 5.30 a.m. because that kid would not sleep, okay? Yeah, amen. But I'll tell you what, if he would have fallen asleep and somebody would have come and knocked on my door, I might have killed him, okay? But in that moment, if they would have just kept knocking when he was sleeping, I would have given them anything, like, take the house. I don't care, it's yours, What's the point? Point is th- don't stop asking friends. You anchor yourself in the word of God, you proclaim the word of God, and then you just keep asking every single day. Um, like the layman man at the gate, you just saying, God, I have asked for this healing 100 times and I'm asking for it 101. God, I've asked for the salvation of my child and I'm asking for it one more time. God, I've asked that we would be reconciled and restored and I'm asking one more time. God, I have asked that I would no longer live under the weight and the condemnation of my past and I'm asking you to free me. And I've asked it again, and I'm asking it again. God, I've asked for this bitterness to be gone. I've asked for this joy to be restored. I've asked for the transformation of my heart, and I'm asking one more time. And you don't stop until it happens. And so you just keep asking. And that's what your Heavenly Father tells you to do. And then the other thing you've got to do, I think, when you're in this journey, is you have to celebrate the little victories along the way. Otherwise, you're going to go into that despair, that doubt, and that denial. And so live in gratitude along the way. That as you're going, uh, and I don't know what it looks like. Maybe it's like, man, he sent me a text on Mother's Day. Maybe that's the small victory. Maybe the small victory is, wow, they showed up to church on Christmas Eve. Maybe the, the small victory is, wow, I feel better today than I did yesterday. Um, um, maybe the small victory is you saw something about that person pop up on Facebook and it took you 14 seconds instead of 9 seconds to want to kill him. You said, man, I'm getting 5 seconds better. You celebrate the small victory along the way because as you're celebrating the small victory along the way, you know that you're moving toward the final victory. The other thing you got to do, this is number five, uh, as, uh, as you're moving along, uh, again, this is on either side, as you're moving along, the other, uh, along this pathway, uh, you've got to allow God to transform you along the way. You've got to. So I think it's Psalm 1. We are fruitful in every season. And some of you, you started, um, we'll start over here. Some of you, you were, you were asking um, for, for, for a transformation, right, in your heart. And uh, and as you were asking for, actually, let me use a different example. You were asking for like God, my job situation has to change. It's just got to change. It's it's ruining me. I, I know. I listened to Ed's sermon last week, and I know that work is valuable and all of that kind of stuff. And I'm grateful for the work that you've given me, but I can't parent well. I can't be a good father or a good mother or a good whatever. Like this is just, it's got to change, God. It's got to. And you know there's a door that he can open, but it hasn't happened yet. And, uh, and in the waiting, what do you got to do? You've got to keep allowing God to transform you along the way. And so maybe you started praying here for that new job, but, and now you're here, and you're still moving it. But even though the job hasn't happened yet, you are a different person than you were. And some of you, you were praying for somebody on that side uh, of the miracle, and you're praying for something, and as you're journeying along, you can't stop letting God change you in the process. And so the miracle moment might happen, but the time that you get to the miracle moment, not only is that person going to be transformed, but you're different because of the journey that you've gone on. And so you keep letting God change you in the process. And then the last part of this is this. On both sides, you got to trust in the sovereignty of your God. You've got to trust in the sovereignty of your God. Psalm 126. Some of you are like, you overuse Psalm 126. I will overuse Psalm 126 of the day I die, okay? When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said... Among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Let me read the first verse again. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. There is a a, a moment coming. Trusting in the sovereignty of God is, is looking forward to the moment when you go, Man, when I got that new job, I was like one who dreamed. When when the restoration finally happened, I was like one who dreamed. When the health report came back differently than I had looked at it, I was like one who dreamed. When my child came to salvation, I was like one who dreamed. When the bitterness was lifted, I was like one who dreamed. And you step into that moment and it's like, this is like a dream. I can't believe this is happening. But trusting in the sovereignty of God is getting to the end of the text where it says this, those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. Not might, not could, but will. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. Woo! All right, there's a TV show came out a couple of weeks, weeks, wow, years ago. It's called How I Met Your Mother, okay? I'm not necessarily endorsing this show, but I was single and I was like the same age as the main character, so it was just cry fest for Steven every week, okay? Now, that's mostly a joke. Now, um, there was, was one episode, and this had kind of become like pop culture. There's one of these episodes that um, uh, they, they had this term and they called them woo girls, okay? And it was like whenever you're so, somewhere and, and, and uh, you know, girls that go, woo! Okay, now, not all of us are girls, so I'll give a male example as well. Um, Some of you, if you watched the greatest sport of the 90s, and by that I mean um, WWF, wrestling, okay, Um, you know there was a character named Ric Flair, and Ric Flair had a signature, and it was, woo! Okay? All right, so now I've got the the men and the women here, okay? So wooing is both very masculine and very feminine. Okay, now, (laughs) okay. The moment that you step in here, and we see it, by the way, with the lame guy, when he was healed, what did he do? He stood up and he started running around, right? And he he was exclaiming with joy. He had a woo moment. Woo! He's running around. Everyone's like, what's going on? Why is he wooing? And, and, and when, 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 the, when the miracle moment happens and the, and the sides collide, when you step into it and this person steps into it and it's God's sovereign will and it begins to move, that's called a woo moment. And, uh, and believing in the sovereignty of God is that no matter where you're at on the journey, you're going to keep doing everything we've talked about this moment with your eyes focused and fixed on Christ. And, and waiting in anticipation to the woo moment. And I think that there's going to be a time out in the future when some of you are going to come to me and we'll just start calling these woo moments. And you're going to come to me and you're going to have tears in your eyes and you don't even need to say anything. And some of you, uh, you know, are more wooers than other wooers, but you need to woo a little bit. And you can just come to me and go, woo! And I'm gonna look in your eyes in that moment and I'm going to know that there was something that you had been journeying on for a long time and it happened. Woo! You know what also? You might wanna name your woo, okay? Like I can name some of my woos. One of my woos is named Lindsay, (laughs) right? Another one of my woos has an address. 8605 Salisbury Road. Name your woo. That that there's going to be a moment that you are believing in faith. That whatever side of the miracle you are on, you're going to step in and one day go, woo! He did it! And I was like one who dreamed. He came to salvation. I've been praying for him for years. They came home to Christmas. Christmas. name it, and believe in the God of miracles. The first story of the church is a reminder, is a reminder of the power of our God. You and I get to play both sides, by the way. I think it's so much fun. We get to be agents for this. We get to be recipients of this. Some of us get to be the parents or the innocent bystanders who watch other people move in people's lives that we love and care about. But it's all in the belief of what God can do. Let's pray. Father, I can trust that every person in this room knows what that woo moment might look like. And Father, we're on both sides of this thing. We're on both sides of this miracle. Some of us, were on one side and we're praying for somebody and the other. Others of us, we're on uh, the side and we're just journeying along. And God, where doubt, despair, or denial has begun to take over, I pray that that would be exchanged today, this morning, with anchoring and proclaiming the word of God. And so where the enemy has won the battle of the mind we refute that this morning. And we ask that you would rise back up in us again a faith. A faith. And so help us to be anchored and to proclaim and to keep on asking. And Father, we look forward to that moment. That moment. And Lord, we're so trained. We're so trained to just let the moment happen and not to enjoy it. We're so trained to. Not to want to show emotion or gratitude. Oh God, but forgive us of that. Make us wooers. So excited about what our God can do. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you'd like to take a next step with Redemption Church, visit us online at experienceredemption.com slash connectcard. You can also give online to support the work of Redemption Church. To explore your giving options, visit experienceredemption.com slash give online. We hope that the message you heard today encouraged you. See you again soon.